welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, I want to talk to a group of people, but it will, it could affect a lot of people, but the group of people that I want to talk to kind of specifically tonight or frame the show around is that of teachers. You know, the academic school year can be quite long, especially depending on the type of class you have, the type of students you have, how things go throughout the year. And so I wanted to kind of go over some things that hopefully will inspire you, motivate you, maybe help you understand and realize just what it is that you're doing. I know people that teach have an idea of what they're doing, but, you know, there's more to it. And oftentimes we don't stop to reflect or stop to realize just how much of an impact that we have on the students, whether it's pre-K, elementary school, middle school, or junior high, high school or college or postgraduate. But it also applies to anybody, really, if you are a coach. A coach is a teacher. Oftentimes, we don't think about it. I know at the high school level, a lot of times, the teacher will be a coach, But if you're a coach, you're also a teacher. If you're a mentor, you're a teacher. If you're a big brother, big sister, you're a teacher. If you're in uh, a religious ministry of some sort, you're a teacher. If you're in leadership, you're probably a teacher of some sort. And so, again, a lot of the conversation might talk about classroom and academic teaching, but it's principles and things that I think can apply to all walks of life. And so that's what I wanted to kind of talk to or talk about, talk to and about in this episode. And I wanted to start off by telling a story, if I may. It's the story of a student by the name of Teddy Stollard. Now, Teddy Stollard was a student that really wasn't interested in school. And as I tell you the story of Teddy Stollard, I want you to think about your own experience, for one, Or maybe if you are teaching, is there a student or do you know of a student or somebody that relates, sounds familiar? You know, kind of one of those students that you might say was one of the least, the least of these. So Teddy Stollard wasn't interested in school. When he showed up, a lot of times he would be unkept, you know, wrinkled clothes. His hair was unkept. And this was before the grunge era. He really didn't have any emotion. And think of Teddy, the Teddy that I'm telling you the story about. It's an elementary school fifth grader. Okay, he's lacking emotion. He's lacking interest. Doesn't have any interest in school. Doesn't have any real interest in friends. He's kind of a loner. And it's easy for people not to like him. He sits by himself at the lunch table, the cafeteria doesn't really play with anybody at recess. When the teacher tries to engage with him, ask him questions, it's short one, maybe two-word answers. Hardly responds to any prompting, really, if you think about it. Now, his teacher, Miss Thompson, had a hard time relating to Teddy Stollard. And in fact, she kind of got to the point where she kind of gave up on him, started to kind of get pleasure in marking wrong answers with the red pen, with some flair writing an F at the top of his paper. Now, there's more to the story of Teddy 
And Miss Thompson knew that there was more, and she knew more about Teddy than what she really kind of led herself to believe. You know, when you get your new student every year, you can look over their academic record, and Teddy's academic record read something like this. In first grade, it said that the teacher wrote, he shows promise, but he has a poor home life. In second grade, the teacher wrote, Teddy can do better, but his mom is sick. In third grade, his teacher wrote, Teddy's a good boy. He shows promise, but his mom died. In fourth grade, the teacher writes, Teddy's slow, although he is well-behaved, but his dad's not really in the picture. And so Ms. Thompson knew that Teddy had this history of not the greatest home life, and she could see it reflected in his day-to-day persona, so to speak. So as the school year rolled on, Christmas time arrived, and as usual, kids like to give their teachers gifts, right? So the kids are giving Miss Thompson their gifts for Christmas, wrapped in pretty wrapping paper, maybe some nice bows on it, and as she opens them, gets some pretty nice presents. Then there's a present on the table, on her desk. It's just a plain brown paper bag with scotch tape all over it. Not really put together nice and neat. No pretty Christmas paper, candy canes, reindeers or anything like that. No pretty bow. Simply on the top of the gift said, For Miss Thompson. As Miss Thompson begins to open the gift, out falls a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with some of the rhinestones missing. And also in the present, there's a half bottle of perfume. Now, as Miss Thompson opens this, the kids realize and start giggling and kind of snickering and laughing about the gift. They realize it's by everybody else's standards, it's not a very good gift. Miss Thompson, however, at that moment had sense to realize that the kids were kind of making fun of the gift. And so she put on the gaudy rhinestone bracelet and she started to show it to the students. And the students kind of oohed and awed. Maybe they realized what she was doing or maybe they were kind of impressed. You know, the influence of a teacher. Then she took the perfume and sprayed it and put some of it on and told the students how she liked it. Well, after school, Teddy decided to linger around. Not something he usually does. So he walked up to Miss Thompson after class and said, Miss Thompson, you smell like my mom. And her bracelet looks pretty on you, too. I'm glad you like my presence. At that moment, Miss Thompson was heartbroken. She realized what she had been doing. She had dismissed somebody, a student in her class, as less than one of the least of these. So she did a gut check, and she decided she was going to make a change. She was going to become a different person. In fact, she was going to be so different that she was going to help all students to the best of her abilities, even Teddy. By the end of the year, Teddy showed great improvement. He caught up with much of the rest of the class, started to do his work at grade level. So Teddy gets done with fifth grade sixth grade, and then moves on to a different school, and off he goes. And Miss Thompson doesn't hear from Teddy for a while. 
Then one day a note arrives. The note says, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know. I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stollard. He was going to be graduating second in his high school class. That makes him the salutatorian, valedictorian's first, salutatorian second. Four years later, another note comes. Dear Miss Thompson, I was just told I will be graduating first in my class, and I wanted you to be the first to know. University has not been easy, but I like it. Love, Teddy Stollard. Four more years go by. Dear Miss Thompson, reads the note. As of today, I am Theodore Stollard, MD. I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month on the 27th, and I wanted you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were alive. You are the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stollard. So Miss Thompson went to the wedding because she wanted to. She wanted to be there for Teddy because she made that commitment many years ago. But she also gave Teddy something that Teddy could never forget. And that was Miss Thompson gave Teddy time and interest of herself to make him a better student. So as we teach, what can we give our students? Do we invest in our Teddy Stollards of the classroom or do we only focus on the honor roll students? Do we invest in the least of these, even though it takes a lot of hard work and effort and at times hard work and effort that we may not have in ourselves? Because if we do, just like Miss Thompson did, we might invest our time in the next great student, the next Theodore Stollard, MD. And think about that. Teddy went on to be a doctor. How many lives did he impact as a medical doctor? And what if Miss Thompson never invested, never changed, never had that gut check? Now, that's not to say that teachers are doing a bad thing. But it's one of those real stories that we have to stop and think about. Think about all the students that we come across, all the kids that we come across, all the players that we coach, all the workers that we lead, all the people that we mentor. Could be after-school programs, before-school programs, sports programs. Could be at the YMCA or other privatized sports leagues. There's a lot of kids that we can impact. And oftentimes, if you want to take it to the sports world, what do we do? We focus on the all-stars, right? And we don't worry about the ones that really can't play. We put them at the end of the lineup so they can bat last. We put them out in right field and hope that the ball doesn't get hit to them. But if we invested in them, how great would they be? You know, one of the things that I realized when I was coaching a high school team one time was that, in honest, we weren't very good. And so I had to kind of look at the players and see where I could put them to try to maximize our talent. And instead of getting all complex, I just decided to keep it simple. If a ground ball was hit to second, just throw it to first and get an out. Don't worry about anything else. Just go to first and get the out. If the ball's to the outfield, just catch it and throw it in. Don't worry about hitting the cutoff and then trying to get a runner to advance and all that stuff. Just play the basics. And I was able to get these kids to 
kind of do just that, just the basics. And as the season wore on, we got a little bit better and a little bit better. I'm not going to say we went on to win the championship, but by the end of the season, we played the first place team on our last game of the season, and we took it into extra innings. We lost by a run, just ran out of pitching, really. But that's what we did when we looked at it, and we just focused on each player to get the the best out of them and to keep it simple and just work on a game plan that would lead us to success. And not even the team, each player, just get them something that they can do to be successful so that they weren't committing as many errors, which leads to a bad mental state which leads to a loser mental state. Give them little steps of success. And in the classroom, it's the same way. Giving students that might have a more difficult time with academics little successes along the way. Because if you think about it, in academics, what do we do? We give maybe, if we still give grades out, maybe we give like an update, a report card, or, or a progress report every six weeks. And then maybe every quarter they get a report card. And then maybe every semester If maybe you're in high school or college, you get a semester grade or an end-of-class grade. And so the success that we measure academics by is less than the failures that we get. And so sometimes we have to create those avenues of success. And that puts a lot of pressure. It puts a lot of pressure on teachers. A lot of teachers handle the pressure great. But I'm sure by the springtime of the year, if you're in special ed, or if you're trying to get the curriculum done because maybe you got behind a little bit and you need to reach those curriculum goals to get them ready for the next year. Other things going on, maybe you're part of a school play or a musical or maybe a sports team. And the pressure's there, the pressure's there, the pressure's there. And you feel like it's overwhelming. And you feel like you're not going to be able to withstand that pressure. But what happens when pressure is put upon something? Think about this. P.J. Fleck coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team, had a pregame conversation. They were going to play Penn State, good football team, and he talked to his team about pressure. And they did some things to create an environment that would try to get the team motivated and not worry about the pressure, but to get them motivated and to use that pressure to create something good. And this is what P.J. Fleck and his Golden Gopher football team came up with. All right, give me your eyes, I asked you last night to be able to write down on a piece of coal, piece of carbon, of the pressures you felt and what you've overcome because of the pressure you put on yourself to be the best you can be. And then we all put it into a big bucket. Something magical happened last night. That's soft this morning. Because when you reach into the carbon, man, and you start digging around of all the pressure and all the bad things and all the issues you have, this is what's come out. It's as real as it gets. You're a diamond. Go be diamonds today. Intercepted. down. Pressure comes. Firing toward the end zone. Intercepted. And Minnesota has knocked off Penn State. But hey, this was special. This was special because we talked all week about what it takes to make a diamond. And we talked about that, that carbon and that pressure. 2,700 degrees. 4,000 men standing on your right foot. That amount of pressure in a long period of time. And then somebody's got to go find it. And amazing things happen when you have all that carbon of all of our stories that we wrote down last night in our team meeting and all the things we learned from pressure and all the things we talked about back in January. And then you pulled out this thing, boys. Pulled out. 
But to get that, this was in the mud, the muck, right? The heat, the pressure. It was under all that rock. And you had to find a way to make it happen. And you did. And I couldn't be more proud of you. You guys are all diamonds. You truly are. You're in the mud. That pressure is on. You're in the classroom. That pressure is on you. You got to get things done. You've got problematic students that you're trying to deal with. You got to get the the honor roll students up to par because they've got things that they got to go do with their academics. Because if you're in high school, maybe they're looking to, to get into a college and they need that transcripts. Or maybe if you're in elementary school, you need to get them to learn their, their alphabet. If they're in kindergarten, maybe first grade and those lower level math so they can get ready for the second grade, the third grade. And you've got all this stuff going on. You've got the end of the year, you've got meetings, parent meetings. Maybe you've got, you know, IEPs. If you're in special education, you've got all this stuff coming down, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. It's going to make you a diamond. You're not going to fold under that pressure. You're going to be a diamond. 2,700 degrees pressure. You're in the mud. You're in the rock. You take the heat and you become a diamond. That's what it's about. It's about the mindset. We can look at it as we're going to be defeated or we can look at it as if we're going to be a diamond taking that pressure. Because we are. We are diamonds. A diamond in the rough. So go be a diamond. Be that diamond of a teacher. Oftentimes we think about, you know, giving what in sports they say, give 110%. Give 100%. Well, 100% is our full potential, right? That's our full potential. Yeah, we'd like to give 100%. And that's our goal. But what if, because life is going on, but maybe we only have 60% today. Go give 60%. That's okay. doesn't matter that you don't have 100% to give. Give your 60%. Give your 40%. Whatever you have for that day, give it all. And then you come back the next day. Maybe you have a little bit more. Maybe you have a little bit less. But you're giving it your all each and every day. You're going out there, taking the extra efforts. You're out there doing what it takes, spending the extra time, maybe at recess or maybe after school or sending out those emails to the parents or trying to get them on the phone because they're not responding and you're taking that extra effort. And maybe you've got the honor roll students and you're trying to push them a little bit more or maybe you're trying to take the class and you're trying to become creative in what you do so that they can understand the assignments and the lessons and you don't want them to be bored. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes pressure. But all that makes you a diamond. Be a diamond. But the one thing we can't do is give up. Because once we give up, as we've talked about on the show before, giving up is failing. And failing is giving up. And if we give up, we might just be one step away from success, one step away from a diamond. I found this clip from a Navy SEAL. I believe he's an admiral that was giving a graduation speech at at a, at a college, a university, and he was giving the graduates some advice. And I thought it was pretty interesting and unique the way he presented it. And I wanted to share it with you here on the podcast and give you something to kind of visualize when it comes to not giving up and to keep going and to persevering. Finally, in SEAL training, there's a bell, a brass bell that hangs in the center of the compound for all the students to see. All you have to do to quit, all you have to do to quit is ring the bell. Ring the bell and you no longer have to wake up at five o'clock. Ring the bell and you no longer have to be in the freezing cold swims. Ring the bell 
and you no longer have to do the runs, the obstacle course, the PT, and you no longer have to endure the hardships of training. All you have to do is ring the bell to get out. If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. It will not be easy. Start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you take some risks, step up when the times are the toughest, face down the bullies, lift up the downtrodden, and never, ever give up. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what started here will indeed have changed the world for the better. So you can imagine Navy SEAL training. They're in the Pacific Ocean. It's cold. They're tired. They're hungry. They're probably enduring pain because of the PT. You ring the bell, you no longer are cold. You no longer are hungry or tired. You can go take a warm shower, have a hot meal, sleep for as long as you want. But you have to ring the bell letting everybody know that you're done, that you quit. And for some in the Navy SEALs, that might be okay. But let's take that into life. Ring the bell and you no longer have to do lesson plans. Ring the bell and you no longer have to deal with a behavior plan. Ring the bell and you no longer have to do report cards or grade papers on the weekend or grade tests. Ring the bell. You no longer have to do parent-teacher conferences. Ring the bell and you don't have to spend that extra time trying to prepare for that spring musical or that program that you have to put together. Ring the bell and you don't have to because you quit. But if you quit... Imagine all the things that you miss out on. Imagine all the things and the people that you don't get to influence anymore. He goes, respect others. Respect everyone, in fact. Step up. Face the bullies. Lift the downtrodden and never give up. Because if you never give up, you will change the world. If Miss Thompson gave up, Teddy would have never been changed. And imagine the things that Teddy did in his life. Miss Thompson changed the world because she invested in Teddy Stollard because she realized after her gut check that Teddy was just as valuable as the rest of the students and brought him up to speed and got him moving in a forward path. That pressure turned her into a diamond. So don't ring the bell. Don't ring the bell. Don't give up because you might be able to change the world. You know, one of the things that is hard to do is to keep going, keep going, keep going. Oftentimes they say, in fact, they do say it, that if you do the same thing over and over, you expect and you expect a different result. That's insanity, right? But if you think about it, that's what teachers do. You know, we're trying to do things over and over, right? You're trying to do things over and over and expecting a different result. You're expecting the students to improve. You're inspecting the expecting the students to Gather the concepts, be able to read, write, do arithmetic, maybe learn some science and some history along the way. And we want them to improve and improve. And oftentimes we do it over and over, and yet some people just don't grasp the concepts, right? It takes a long time. It takes a while. You get frustrated. How about those behavior plans, having to tell the students to be quiet and sit down, be quiet, sit down, be quiet, sit down, go back to your desk, go back to your workspace. Why are you talking? No talking in the hallways. No running in the hallways. It's over and over and over again. 
It's almost like insanity because we tell them over and over and we expect a different result. But that's just making us a diamond. The other thing it's doing, it's probably teaching us patience, but we're investing. We're building relationships even though we don't know it and we don't think about it. I think about some of the students that I work with now from when I started kind of working with them in the beginning of the year. The relationship now is so much more different than it was at the beginning of the year. And I wasn't even working with them, and I don't really work with them on a consistent basis from morning to night. I pop in, do some work, pop out, maybe see them again later. The relationship is so much different. And you had to overcome some of these hurdles and these obstacles and try to understand the students, understand what makes them tick. This one is this way. This one is another way. And once you start to take a moment and observe, kind of like poker, you have to observe people's tails, right? You have to kind of observe what they're doing in hopes that they give away whatever it is that they're holding in their hands. Students are that way too. If we're patient enough and we're observant enough, we can pick up some of the things that will give us an indication of maybe why they're struggling or maybe why they're doing really good. And maybe we can take those things and put them in other areas or maybe realize that my teaching style here is kind of boring and I should up the ante because I've got technology and, and me reading out of a textbook is boring. So I understand that. So now I want to up the ante. So I make note of that. And in the next lesson plan, I'm going to up the ante. It's an ongoing thing. And that's the exciting thing about teaching. Sure, you have your curriculum and you have your standards and you have your learning objectives and all that stuff that you have to do, but they don't tell you how you have to get there. Just like driving a car or a destination, right? Life's a journey, not a destination. We're going to go to Florida for spring break, but no one tells us how we have to get there. We could fly, get there quick, spend more time. We could take a train, see the countryside, maybe chill out on the train for a day or two. We could take a bus, which I don't recommend. That's a long trip on a bus. We could drive a car, go on a road trip, bring some tunes, some snacks, take a couple days to get there. It's the journey. We can pick and choose how we want to get there. But the destination at the end is the end of the school year. You're at the beginning of the school year. You're at the end of the school year. I've got to meet these obligations in curriculum and academics and so forth. But how we do that, it's an open slate. We can do what we want. Sure, there's principles and mathematics and stuff like that that are just there in science. It's just there. You know, you throw a ball in the air, gravity's going to bring it down. We can't change that. But maybe we can change what we throw in the air, and it doesn't always have to be a ball. Maybe there could be some other exciting things. But we're building relationships. That's what the point of what I'm trying to get to. At the beginning of the year, we've got students. At the end of the year, we've got the same students. But the relationship, the dynamic is different. Because there's that value of human communication, that value of human connection. And oftentimes you will find as you get to know students, even the problematic students, the ones that are the teddies of your classroom, they will still cling to you like Teddy did here. For some reason, Miss Thompson would get gleeful when putting that F on the flare on his paper. But Teddy thought of Miss Thompson as family, gave her a bracelet, half a bottle of perfume. That was her mother's or his mother's. That meant something to him. So obviously Teddy saw something, had a connection with Miss Thompson. And then after Miss Thompson had the, the gut check, that relationship grew. So he'd send notes and then wanted him to sit in a place of honor at his wedding. You might not get to that place of honor where you sit at someone's wedding, 
but people are going to remember you. I remember all my, all my teachers, the good and the bad, mostly good, because I had a lot of great teachers. And so we remember them, especially if they're impactful. And so Rita Pearson here talks about that, talks about the value of human connection and relationships and what it's like to build those relationships. We know why kids don't learn. It's either poverty, low attendance, negative peer influences. We know why. But one of the things that we never discuss or we rarely discuss is the value and importance of human connection. Relationships. I have had classes that were so low, so academically deficient that I cried. I wondered, how am I going to take this group in nine months from where they are to where they need to be? How do I raise the self-esteem of a child and his academic achievement at the same time? One year, I came up with a bright idea. I told all my students, you were chosen to be in my class because I am the best teacher and you are the best students. They put us all together so we could show everybody else how to do it. One of the students said, really? (laughs) I said, really? And I gave him a saying to say, I am somebody. I was somebody when I came. I'll be a better somebody when I leave. I am powerful and I am strong. I deserve the education that I get here. I have things to do, people to impress and places to go. And they said, yeah. (laughs) You say it long enough, it starts to be a part of you. Both my parents were educators. My maternal grandparents were educators. For years, I watched my mother take the time at recess to review, go on home visits in the afternoon, buy combs and brushes and peanut butter and crackers to put in her desk drawer for kids that needed to eat and a washcloth and some soap for the kids who didn't smell so good. See, it's hard to teach kids who stink. (laughs) Years later, after she retired, I watched some of those same kids come through and say to her, you know, Miss Walker, you made a difference in my life. You made it work for me. You made me feel like I was somebody when I knew at the bottom I wasn't. And I want you to just see what I've become. And when my mama died two years ago at 92, there were so many former students at her funeral. It brought tears to my eyes, not because she was gone, but because she left a legacy of relationships that could never disappear. Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists that they become the best that they can possibly be. Is this job tough? You betcha. Oh, God, you betcha. But it is not impossible. We can do this. We're educators. We're born to make a difference. So you're born to make a difference. How true is that? How many of you can relate to the snacks maybe that you set aside for those students that might not have the enough food? I mean, think about it. One of the things that I find interesting just from observation is that the biggest thing that affects students or one of them during the day is hunger and fatigue. A lot of students are hungry. That hangry thing from the Snickers commercials, right? Hangry. You give them something to eat. Oftentimes, they get a little better. Fatigue. They might be tired because they don't get enough rest. And so how many of you can relate to putting the peanut butter and crackers or whatever snack off to the side because a student's hungry and you give them something to eat, then all of a sudden they start to get a little better? 
or maybe those cleaning products because you have to wipe off their face when they show up to school in the morning because they weren't properly bathed or other things that go along with that, giving extra, going above and beyond, giving the extra care and attention to the personal needs of the student. I'm sure most any teacher will say they have some story or some ongoing thing that they just incorporate in their routine to help those students out because that's what you do. You're born to make a difference, and that's how you make a difference. You're raising the self-esteem. And think about it. She said, if you say it long enough, it becomes a part of you. If you say something long enough, it becomes a part of you. Think about that. How many times have you talked to a kid that maybe gets in trouble, or maybe it's a high schooler, and these other students that don't really want to amount to anything. Why? Because they were told by their parents or significant others that you're not going to amount to anything. You're worthless. Why did they even have you? You're a bad kid. You should just do something because you're not going to do anything good. And they get told that over and over, possibly a lifetime. And so they start believing it. And we have to reverse that, right? It's that battered puppy syndrome. It takes time to get the, the puppy to come to you. Because it's been bad or doesn't trust you. We have to start giving encouragement to the kids, even the bad kids, even the ones that are difficult, even the teddies of our classroom, even the good ones, the honor roll students. Because oftentimes the pressure of being on the honor roll and making the grade, I can't tell you how many times somebody got a B on a paper or report or something and they freak out because they got a B on a paper. It wasn't even a grade on their report card or on their transcripts. It was a report or a paper that they wrote probably at 2 in the morning the night before it was due because they've got 800 AP classes that are a part of, plus AP band and everything else that they're doing to try to get into whatever Ivy League school or top 10 school in the country, and they're competing with a billion other people, so they're just going nuts, and they get a B, and they freak out. They need to be reminded how good they are how worthy they are, that they're a great student, they're a great person, that that grade doesn't matter because they're above that. You've got to tell them over and over and over. Give them those positive resources, positive reinforcements, positive words, because if you say it long enough, it becomes a part of you. We've got to make the difference. All the students, from the top to the teddies. So what's your legacy going to be as a teacher? Is it going to be one that only catered to a certain group? And that could go both ways. It could be the underprivileged and the underserved, or it could be the elite. Or are you going to impact everybody? Are you going to make those connections with students so that maybe years down the road, they still contact you, send you notes, maybe invite you to certain events in their life, or maybe at the time of your passing, they show up because they remember you, because they respect you, because you invested in their lives and you made a difference and you brought it out of them. It's hard to do. Coaches oftentimes are the ones that get the players to come back over and over and over again, right? You know, Coach K at Duke, he's in his final run in the Final Four and he's had a lot of former players come out and watch some games and kind of do a big send-off. And that's natural. Coaches tend to have that. Teachers, it's a little bit harder, right? Probably don't get that recognition as much. And maybe once in a while we get a student to pop in and say hi or maybe get a note or maybe a connection on social media. 
oftentimes we may never know the impact that we make on a person, on a student, on a player. We may never know. And that's okay too because we're not in it for the accolades. You're not in it for all the awards and stuff. Those are nice, but that's not where we do it because you're born to be a difference maker. You're born to make a difference. And all that pressure that's building on you and all that stuff that you're undertaking, it's making a diamond out of you. And you refuse to ring the bell because you don't want to give up on these students. You don't want to give up on the next generation. You want to raise the standard. You want to inspire them and motivate them to greatness because you were born to make a difference. And it starts with those human connections and the self-esteem and building relationships and letting them know some things that are positive. You have to be realistic with them too. Kids will, kids will sniff out you know, those fakes and phonies. So you have to be real with them. And it's okay to be real with them, even if there's some maybe, I guess they call it what, uh, encouragement that is needed, like instead of just negative things, things that are, could be encouraged to do better. But even the negative, if we're honest with them, they will respect that. But if we focus on that, it will become a part of them. If we focus on the positive, that will become a part of them. And that's what we should do, is focus on the positive. Because after all, when we're out there, And we're putting ourselves out there. The scrutiny. I mean, think about how difficult it is because oftentimes now we've got so much in the political world that's trying to affect schools and teaching. And teachers have so much more that they have to deal with and endure. And it's hard to. It's hard to sometimes even understand changing culture. And the different cultures that we have. And the demands from this culture on their students academically, maybe versus the demands of these parents over here. There's a lot of things that are different in the world today than even when I was growing up. There's a lot of different things that we have to to deal with as far as even diagnoses of students. And sometimes the support isn't there. Sometimes the resources aren't there. And that makes it difficult. But that's where the pressure is turning you into a diamond. Because people are going to remember you. How will people remember you? Have you think about that? Is that something that matters to you? You know, we talked a little bit about legacy. But are you really concerned with how people think about you? Is it important? Maybe it is. Maybe it is important for us to kind of stop and reflect and think about how people might remember us. We are all on a separate journey. Beautiful thing about our life here on this earth is at my funeral, they ain't gonna talk about my success. They're gonna talk about who Nick was and how Nick lived and how Nick loved and encouraged. Success is incredibly important, but even more important than success, it's having an impact. It's knowing you haven't walked the planet in vain. It's knowing that because you've been here, you've blessed lives. You've developed people. And you have made the world a better place. Blessing lives and developing people. Don't walk the earth in vain. You've been given talents and abilities. You've been given something that maybe someone else doesn't have. You ever think that you might be the teacher for that class or for those students for a reason. 
Sure, we might think, oh, they were in kindergarten. Now they're in first grade. They were in ninth grade. Now they're in tenth grade. They were in French one. Now they're in French two. So naturally, they'd be my students. But do you ever think that maybe they're in your class for a reason? Maybe you're the one that's supposed to have that impact on them for the year, for the semester, for the six weeks if you're maybe a college teacher in summer or winter school, 16 weeks during the semester. Maybe there's a reason why you're supposed to be there. Are you encouraging them? Are you being impactful? Impactful has many different things if you think about it. Impactful could just be getting a lazy student off his or her duff and getting her to reach her full potential or getting her or him on his way or her way to reach their full potential. That could be something you're planting the seeds. You might not be the teacher that reaps the reward, but maybe you're sowing the seeds in these students, motivating them, encouraging them, making them understand just what they can achieve and accomplish if they live up to their full potential. You're making the world a better place. And that's all we talk about on the show is raising the standard, bringing out our inner greatness, inspiring and motivating other people. And no profession gives you the greatest opportunities to do that than teaching. Think about it. Every day you go into the classroom, every day you have class or you're in front of people that want to learn, you have an opportunity, a clean slate to present to them whatever it is that you want to present to them. And so you have to stop to think, are you trying to serve your self-interest or are you trying to better them? Are you trying to fulfill your own agenda or try to give them the best opportunity to succeed? And that's the hardest thing to do. Most teachers I know and have talked to and have come across, they've got the student's interest the collegiate level, it's a little different. There's a lot of self-serving professors, and that's just fact. In fact, you think about it, you know, you go into education not because of the money. You don't go into education for the accolades, although you can get them, teacher of the year. The more you get yourself educated and spend time teaching, obviously you can make more money. And if you're at the collegiate level, you probably have a better chance for accolades and publishing and more money on top of that. But really, when you think about it, most teachers, educators, go into it because they have a a servant's heart. They want to give. They want to be able to provide opportunity, get students ready so that they can better be, uh, be better prepared for what life has to offer them. And oftentimes, we can do that because we have the opportunities. And if we miss the opportunities one day, We can refocus, have that gut check like Miss Thompson had and start over, reinvent ourselves. You know, the other thing that makes teaching difficult is trying to find solutions. You know, we talk about problematic students, and it could be academics, could be behavior, could be any reason. And oftentimes, you know, when you put a behavior plan in or something like that, it's a a Band-Aid. You know, we're trying to put a Band-Aid on an issue. And it's hard to find the solution or the cure, so to speak. So if we, you know, if we cut ourselves deeply, we could put a Band-Aid on and continue to put a Band-Aid on. But if we went and got stitches and sewed up the wound, it heals quicker, right? 
So oftentimes we might have to spend time and effort and energy finding solutions like Mr. Jensen did with this student that changed this student's life forever. I have a lot of memories from when I was a child. One that's always stuck out to me though was when I was about 10 years old and I was in school and I struggled. And I I didn't struggle with English, math, or science. I struggled holding still. And I would try to listen and focus and process ideas, but I couldn't help myself. And to be honest, I would sit there and then I would just start tapping. And the students in the class would look at me and they'd say, hey, stop tapping. A lot of the time, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then eventually even the teachers got after me and they would yell at me and they'd say, Clint, you have to stop tapping. It got so bad that I got sent to the principal's office for tapping. And he said to me, okay, maybe when you go back to class, just try sitting on your hands. So I did. I went back to class, and when I felt myself starting to tap, I just, I did this. I sat on my hands. And that worked for about five seconds. One time I was tapping in class, and my teacher, Mr. Jensen, he looked at me, and he yelled. And he said, Clint, stay after class. And I thought to myself, this is it, I am done. Now I've always been the type of person that believes that a single moment in time can change a person's life. And this was one of those moments for me and I will never forget it. And so I was sitting there with Mr. Jensen and an empty classroom. And he walked past me and he sat next to his desk and he said, Clint, come here, I wanna talk to you. And as he looked me right in the eye, he said, Now, I need you to know something, you're not in trouble. But I do have just one question that I have to ask you. And he asked, he said, have you ever thought about playing the drums? And in that moment, Mr. Jensen, he leaned back and he opened the top drawer of his desk. And he reached in and he pulled out my very first pair of drumsticks. And he held them in his hands and he looked at me and he said, hey Clint, you're not a problem. I think you're a drummer. From that moment on, I've never put those sticks down. I've toured, recorded, and played drums all over the world. My whole college education was paid for with drumsticks in my hand. Just because of a single moment in time, when somebody believed in me, and he saw something in me that I didn't even see within myself. And from that moment, I learned that there's a difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world. See, Mr. Jensen saw something in his student that the student didn't even see in himself. You're not a problem. You're a drummer. Creative solution. Imagine if Mr. Jensen just treated the problem. Stop tapping, stop tapping, stop tapping, sit on your hands, do this, do that. No, but he found a creative outlet and it changed this student's life who went on to change a lot of other people's lives through his testimony and through music. Think about that. A single moment in time changes a person's life. Are we actively looking for those moments in time? finding those solutions, 
not focusing on the problem. Sometimes it's hard to do. And the pressure builds. And the pressure builds more and more. And we're thinking about ringing that bell. But we don't because we realize that pressure is turning us into a diamond. And as a diamond teacher, we look at those solutions and we realize, wait a minute, you're not a problem. You're a whatever it is. And then we look at being the best in the world versus the best for the world. Think about that. One word, in and for, makes a huge difference. Are you the best drummer in the world? Are you the best teacher in the world? Are you the best coach in the world? Are you the best for the world? Being the best for the world might not get you all the accolades, like being best in the world. Might not get you all the riches, all the publicity, the awards, but you know what? You're going to have the biggest impact. You're going to have the biggest legacy. People remembering you, sending you notes, inviting you to places, maybe doing connecting on social media and giving you life updates. Because that single moment in time, you changed a person's life. It's the impact of finding those solutions. And because of that, you became the best for the world. And so each and every day as you walk in to your classroom, you've got all this stuff going on. Think about some of these things. Pause for a moment and realize the greatness that awaits for you, the impact that you can have, the fun, the memories. Time goes by so quick. In a blink of an eye, the class has moved on to the next next grade level, next school, whatever it might be. And then you're telling stories in the staff lounge about this student or that student. And then you start to realize that even the teddies of your class, you start to miss a little bit. And you start to realize that there's more teddies. And if you have a little regret that maybe you missed some opportunities, Now you know that there's other opportunities awaiting you. We're not going to be perfect. Even diamonds can have their flaws in them. But they're still a diamond. They're still valuable. They're still important. They're still wanted. They're still put in jewelry and worn proudly. So that's okay. That's okay if you're not a flawless princess cut. You can still be that diamond You could still be that flawless princess cut to your students because they know that you are giving it your all. They know that you are the one out there trying to give them the best opportunities at that moment in time, at that moment in life. Because sometimes you might be the only positive thing in their life. Their home life might be bad. That's why you have the peanut butter and crackers. That's why you've got the combs and the brushes and the cleaning products to wipe off their face and stuff. That's why you're staying after school or doing recess study time because maybe you are the best person, the most positive person, the most impactful person in their life because maybe their dad, their mom, not around like Teddy. Or maybe they come from a great home with very successful parents, but the parents are so successful, they don't have time for the kids. It's not always about the underserved and underprivileged. Sometimes the so-called privilege 
can be neglected by parents because they're working, doing their jobs, whatever it might be. So all students that walk into your classroom should be provided the opportunity and the equal access to you and what you're able to do. That's your little jungle, the classroom. Are you going to be king of your jungle? Are you going to have that lion's mentality? Are you a gazelle? Or are you a lion? If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. It's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas. But I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. So when that pack of hyenas, those screaming students come into your classroom, you're not worried because you're king or queen of your classroom, your jungle. You have a mindset of a champion. You're not going to let the students get the best of you. And you realize that students, no matter who they are, they have worth. The good, the bad, the ugly, the smelly, the stinky. They're all the same. From the hardest and the toughest kids to teach to the honor roll, the easy ones, the ones that are willing to volunteer to help out and do whatever it takes in the classroom. Life is easy when you do the hard things. Life becomes hard when you take the easy road. So know the worth and the value of the students that you're teaching. Have empathy for them. Have no regrets, though. Go into it. Because you might only have an opportunity that year to have an impact on them. And you might be the only good person in their life. So as that pressure is put upon you and you're down in the mud and the rock, 2,700 degrees of heat bearing down on you, just know that you're not going to collapse and break because you're becoming a diamond. You're not going to ring the bell. You're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. You're going to stay at it. You have the mindset of a champion. You have a lion's mentality. You're a teacher. You were born to make a difference. And so that's what you're going to do. You're going to go out there each and every day and make a difference. Have an impact. Build relationships. And build that legacy so that students are inspired and motivated to raise the standard and bring out their inner greatness. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. You can find us uh, on the internet, on the web. The best place to go is RadioWarp.com. It's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. That is our website. And you can find uh, past shows, 
video and audio, both the video format and the audio format of the show on there. Plus, there's some other podcasts that are on there, and then it has a Listen Live link where if you click Listen Live, you can listen to some cool music 24-7. You can hear different podcasts on there. Um, So it's a cool place to go, RadioWarp.com, 24-7 Entertainment. If you go to our Instagram page, TWO2, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, you can see uh, links for the show or videos of the show. If you go to my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, you can have a little bit more insight as to who I am and what I'm about. In both pages, there's a link tree link in the bio. You click on it and different options come up. It takes you to our YouTube channel or SoundCloud channel. SoundCloud, you can download episodes and take us with you on the go. You can subscribe to both accounts and never miss an episode. There's a swag shop, so you can buy cool merchandise, T-shirts, hats, whatever. Um, That'd be really cool. And then um, also you can kind of reach out if you want to. You can DM me through either of those uh, Instagram sites, or you can just email the show at TWO, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com. And so we appreciate it. We appreciate you being with us each and every week. Um, Take your passion, make it happen, whatever it might be. You know, it's not just a slogan. If you think about it, if there's something that you're interested in, maybe it's a hobby or maybe it's a new career, whatever it might be, go after it. Chase it. Life's too short to worry only about the stuff that's mandatory, like our job, like the other responsibilities in life that we have to do, whatever lines up, whether it's a parent, because oftentimes parenting is a teacher. All these things here, you can apply as a parent. A parent, you're a teacher. But whatever it is that you're doing in life, don't forget to do the things that you're passionate about. And there might be a couple things. It could be a hobby. It could be your job. It could be relationships, whatever it is. But take your passion. Make it happen. Bring out your inner greatness. Raise the standard. Try to inspire and motivate others to do the same, whatever it might be, because that's how you can impact other people too. It doesn't have to just be in a position of a job. It could be with your neighbors. It could be the simplest thing as a a smile and a wave to your neighbor to something more involved and in-depth. You know, we've talked about things like that before. But whatever it is, take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.